Hello? Oh, okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. I need free hands. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. I am really blessed to um, bring the word today to you. Um, I've been really praying about gathering a lot um, because, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles is about the ingathering. And uh, it's good to see so many people here um, and to see Elijah. It's good to see you and Dustin again. Um, and some other new faces I don't recognize, but we're just happy that you're here because this is a time for us to gather um, together. We need each other. Um, so I, I titled this Awaken to Destiny. Um, I've been really pondering uh, this a lot for like a couple months. And um, I wanted to just, uh, I'm, I wanted to really just preach without even having notes, but I have to have notes. So here we go. <laughs> um, to awaken is to arise from a place of indifference, passivity, inactivity, to rise up, to take a stand, to be revived, to be aroused, or to take action. I feel like we're in that, we're right here, right now. Um, and as Kathy was proclaiming, we're in a time of transition, lots of transitions. A good portion of the church today is indifferent. They're comfortable, they're still asleep. God has a calling and a destiny, not just for us as individuals, but for his church, the ecclesia. Those are the called out ones, the bride of Christ. He's got a call on our lives. There's a calling on each one of us and this body as well, together. So we want to be awakened in this time and in this season. Um, I want to take a look at the book of Esther, and um, I'm going to just summarize the beginning part, because to read it would t- take too much time, but I want to read, I want to um, just talk to you, and then we're going to go and read in uh, the book of Esther. Um, her story is a story of uh, us as individuals but the bride of Christ, and she is the bride, stands for the bride, and obviously the king stands for Jesus. Um, How many of you know the book of Esther? How many have read it? If you haven't read it, you should read it, because um, it's a really short, it's a short book, but there's so much drama in it. It's, It's drama. Um, but it's really good, and there's uh, tons of, of insights and talk about revealing things. There's secrets and there's things in the book of Esther. Um, Esther was an orphan girl. Her parents died, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. They were Jewish, and they were living in Persia, which was a pagan nation. The king of Persia, Assyrius, was looking for a new queen after the former queen, Vashti, 
was displaced from the throne for being disobedient to the king. Many young women entered the contest to become the queen, hoping to be crowned. God's favor was on Esther, and the king chose her to be his queen. She did not reveal to anyone of her Jewish um, background. After becoming queen, the king assigned a man named Haman to be second in command. This was a great honor for him, um, and so all were to bow to him when he would make his appearance outside the palace. The only one who would not bow to him was Mordecai. He refused to bow to Haman and told him he was a Jew who worshipped only God. When Haman saw he wouldn't bow to him, he was full of wrath and plotted with the king to not only kill Mordecai, but all the Jews in the whole land. So the decree went out to kill all the Jews in Persia. So now I want to pick up in uh, Esther chapter 4, verse 1. You can read along with me if you want. Um, so that's kind of the backdrop here of what's going on. Um, <clears throat> when Mordecai learned that all had that that learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out because this decree went out. Mordecai was um, he was so distressed. He put on sackcloth, he put on ashes, and he cried out um, in the city. And along with the people, the Jewish people in the land, they were crying out with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. So you can kind of see here how Esther, you know, she is, um, she doesn't know all the information, but she's, she wants this to go away. Like, uh, Mordecai, just put, just get rid of the sackcloth. This will be dealt with. Don't worry about it. Um, then Esther called Hathach, one of the king's units, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. It sounds like today. It sounds like a scenario in today's world, doesn't it? Um, all the um, dark stuff that's going on and um, people that are um, getting destroyed due to um, the circumstances going on. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and to plead before him for her people. 
So Hathach Hath returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or any woman who, does, who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law to put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the scepter that he may live. Yet I myself, this is Esther, she's saying, I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's word. Um, I feel like Esther still did not want to rock the boat in this. She did not want to rock the boat. But Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's a pretty big mouthful right there. Yeah. Um, that is a word. We've heard it many times. But I feel like it's so now. It is so now. We are on the cusp of great destiny. Um, during this time, I... Um, I mean, uh, reading this, I, I felt like sometimes we've heard that Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit, which I do believe he represented the Holy Spirit in this story. Um, he challenged her to awaken from her comfortable place. She was probably very compliant to the king and to her duties as the queen. She was facing a cho choice in that moment whether to stay comfortable and indifferent to the situation or to risk her life for her people. This was a pivotal moment in her life, and I believe it's a pivotal moment in our lives and in his church as well. We must make wise decisions. Things in the world are going to shake. I believe she encountered the fear of the Lord at that moment, right at that moment. The fear of the Lord. And in that, she was awakened to her destiny. Something happened in her. Mordecai admonished her to not yield to fear. She had to let go of her self-preservation. She had to let go of her past, how she saw herself. Her orphan mentality was being challenged with the truth of her real identity. She found her voice. She took ownership of her position and the authority she had as a queen and made a hard choice to lay her life down for a purpose greater than herself. That is what we're being called into in this hour. We need to lay our lives down for a greater purpose than ourselves because it's not focused around me, myself, and I. This is a time we are awakening to the bigger vision. 
without a vision, the people perish. God is giving us, he's going to give us greater vision, clarity, great clarity in this time. And Esther responds, she says, uh, she um, told them to reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And we, as a body, we will be grabbing a hold. Are we saying, if I perish, I perish? That's a death. That's a death to us. Um, and I was thinking, you know, in Revelation 12, it says, um, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But oftentimes we leave off that little third phrase. It says, and we, they love not their lives unto death. That's right. And um, so I, I just, I feel it's important. Um, this time we're counting the cost. We're reevaluating right now, and we're counting the cost. Fasting and prayer are absolutely necessary for us in these days. Prayer is one of our greatest weapons. And so, um, you know, if if you're not praying or you're having you're having trouble praying, you can text me. You can call me. You can text anybody. Text the elders here. Um, you know, sometimes we just need somebody to pray with. So it's, and it's good. It, it's good because you bounce off each other and you get insights from one another. And this is our time to grow in prayer and intercession because we are going to be like Mordecai. We're going to be crying out for the Lord. Um, now, I just... Um, Okay, so um, she was awakened to her destiny along with her radical obedience. Radical. Radical. In that moment of time, she gave up all her comforts. She gave up all her, um, you know, her agenda. And um, it was radical obedience. It brought about a great victory in um, this story. She did go to the king, even though she wasn't called. He held out his scepter to her and granted her desire, and up to half of the kingdom he gave her. Um, but the main issue was Haman, because he was evil and had plotted to kill Mordecai. So Haman was actually hung on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. Um, and a new decree went out to stop the murder of the Jews in the land, and Mordecai ended up second in command to the king. Talk about a boomerang. Talk about a turnaround. And that's such good news for us, is the turnaround. The very things that the enemy has meant for evil, God is going to turn around for our good to be a blessing. And it's a testimony of his grace. It's a testimony of his love. It's a testimony of, um, of God himself 
just who he is. Um, so uh, the next thing I wanted to mention was, um, I just want to go to Isaiah 6. Okay, just in the beginning, um, it says, this is Isaiah 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe was fill, filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then, um, behold, um, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. This was another awakening. Isaiah had quite an awakening. And the fear of the Lord filled, filled, where he filled his vision, what he saw. And that fear of the Lord awakened his soul, his spirit, his body. And his response was, I'm a man of unclean lips. But he also said, um, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Same response as Esther. Here I am, send me. Um, the Bible is actually full of stories of awakenings, people being awakened. Paul, you know, Paul, Zacchaeus. Um, you know, the Bible is just full in Hebrews 11, you can read about the saints who were awakened yeah. to their very destiny. Yeah. Um, and um, we need to know, what are the prophetic words spoken over your life? This is about his destiny for you, not ours. Look at Esther. She would have probably been just fine and comfortable being a queen with nothing rocking the boat, but God had a different plan for this girl who was chosen to be queen, and he's got a, he's got a plan for us. Yeah. It is not just the comfortable 
every day what we've been doing all along. It's something is going to shift and change. We're being awakened to this destiny. And we're being commissioned, like Esther and Isaiah, to go. Um, we've heard, uh, last week we heard that this is a season of the open door. And in Revelation chapter 4, it talks about uh, John. Um, he heard a voice. He heard a voice. He saw a door open in heaven. And he heard the voice of God. And God said, I'm going to show you what will soon take place. So I feel like there's an open door here, and God is going to show you what will soon take place for you and the body. He will show us for his kingdom purposes. Um, Sean said a couple weeks ago, Then it, that in this time of knowing, it is a time of knowing God's love for us. I am so convinced of that. As we were at the, uh, we were at the Send uh, last week, uh, there was a, uh, there was a man that spoke, and he was speaking on the love of God, and he was speaking on. We know the love of God up here, many of us, we know it here, but there is something that happens when it comes here. It becomes so real. And we, are, we experience his love for us. And um, let me go on here. So after he got done speaking about the love of God, they played a song that many of us are familiar with. It's called Reckless Love of God. And I'm telling you, when that song was playing, I was undone. We were undone. That whole place was undone. The love of the Father fell in that place. And it was revival. It was, the revi it was revival. Father's love just filled and flooded that whole room. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit said he was going to pour out his love on the church. We will be undone by his mercy. We will be convinced of his zeal, his jealousy, and his kindness that will bring us to repentance. Um, we will be those people. We're going to walk in the love of God. We will reveal the love of God to this generation. They need to know the Father's love for them. We don't accept the sin, but we love the sinner. And there's plenty of sin out there, but there's a lot of sinners, and they need the grace of God. So we need to break from indifference to others in the church, and the lost from our selfish ambitions, our self-preservation, and we need to align ourselves with the plans of heaven. And I want to read um, that. I want to read something in Romans. It's Romans eight. 
and it is verse 37. I'm so convinced that we are going to experience the Father's love at this tabernacles. And you know, his mercy isn't always what we think it is. His mercy sometimes is, it's hard. It can be hard. But his love, he loves this. His motive is love. That's his motive. So in verse 37, this is Paul, he's writing, and um, he's talking about God's everlasting love. He says, yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he says, for I am persuaded. Are we persuaded? I believe we're going to be so persuaded. I believe we'll be so convinced. We'll be persuaded and convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, things present nor things to come, height or depth or any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when things come at us, when we're faced with situations, circumstances, and persecution, whatever it might be, we stand because we're persuaded. We are convinced of his love. We're not acting out of emotion. We're not acting out of the, what we see and what we hear in the natural realm. We are tapping into the love of God. Um, so, and the other uh, scripture uh, that I got was 2 Corinthians 5.17. It has to be real to us. It has to be real. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'll read that too. We love the word. Yes, I know, I love the word. I love the word God. I know, it's... It's so, yeah. It says, this, this is what God says about us. Paul's writing, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we are persuaded that he loves us. We're convinced. I'm a new creation in Christ. We are all new creations in Christ. Our old man died. When we were baptized, it died. And we rose up resurrected. We rose up resurrected. And so, um, you know, let this be a uh, word. I pray it's a word of encouragement for all of you and a word of resurrection life. And know that um, there's so much more that God has for you as individuals, but for us as a body, that the destiny and purposes that he has for your life are extravagant, because he's an extravagant God, and uh, we're not going to look for anything less. We're not going to go for the mediocre status quo. We're not settling. We know transition's coming. So I just release... 
incredible favor and grace on you today. And I release destiny. I release purpose. Father, I pray for such clarity in people's hearts and minds during this feast time and tabernacles. I pray, God, that there's an awakening in this house, an awakening in hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and visit them in the night. Come and visit them in this time and season, Holy Spirit. Release the awakening blast, Father, into their hearts, God. And Lord, let them see and hear and know, God, that they were made for greatness. And Jesus even said, greater works will you do than him. So, amen. That's it. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Karen. Oh, you're welcome. I love it. Holy Spirit speaks to us while he's speaking his word. You know, and Karen's speaking about destiny. Destiny, how did you say it? Revealed? Reaching our destiny. Awakened destiny. So we heard about uh, Esther, right? Heard the scriptures about Paul, Isaiah. Their destiny was awakened. It was a process, wasn't it? Every day became new. God began to put them into circumstances and settings that they probably weren't expecting. And as they moved forward, they began to see some of the things that God was asking of them to do. So I'm thinking about this as the Holy Spirit speaking to me. What about you today? I was thinking of Jen. Awakening to destiny. I was thinking about Dustin. I was thinking about, they've left, but Cody. I believe they're nephews and as well as Mariah. Now I want you to think about this. Your destiny awakens every moment of every day as God begins to reveal those things as you respond. Psalms 139, that which has been written concerning you. But it's a journey. It's a process. It has to be something that's personally experienced. Now, Dustin, when he first came, he heard the word, and his declaration was, I want to be a disciple. And so what's happened? Tons of blessing, more work than he can handle. Started out with a number of employees, and so not as many as they are now that he could use more. It's the process, the awakening, the destiny, the purpose. If you try to put it into one little phrase, something handed to you, it wouldn't become experienced. It would be something you would begin to acknowledge but as you experience the change, I'm looking at Jen. Destiny being awakened every Sunday after every word. She comes up to me or comes up to Kathy. But I've got some questions. How do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit and your own voice? How do you know that your heart isn't being deceived? Awakening. Absolutely. How do you become one who is awakened? You go before him, you contend, you ask, you question, you want to know. 
You want to experience. And so we're in this setting where it's wonderful to talk about Esther. What makes you any different from Esther? She didn't have the understanding, the full understanding of what God was going to use her for. It went far beyond herself. I'm looking at this young Cody and Mariah who were related to uh, Peggy. He has tons of questions. And it was so cute to hear Peggy trying to ask, answer the questions. Well, I, well, I know it's, you need to know, because what about God? I have some questions about God. Well, it has to be real to you. It has to be personal. I'm listening to this. Okay. It can't really be through somebody else. You just need to go to pastor. You need to talk to pastor. But he says, I got questions. She said, well, it's kind of like you're made up of spirit, soul, and body. She says, I don't know, but you need to go talk to pastor. Her destiny, it's awakening. It's coming in those places in her heart that she's realizing, you know what? She's got something to give when people come to her. It may not be the fullness yet, but she's seen that, which, you know what? Maybe I, maybe God could use me. And so I thank you, Karen, because really this is what the Holy Spirit is really uh, saying to all of us because our life has been fashioned, shaped, whether it be we didn't have a father we raised by our uncles or we maybe didn't know our father or maybe we were uh, distant from our father and are becoming more acquainted or closer to. This is all part of the process to where then God makes this so real to you that then you know that his hand is upon you and that he is the one that's really empowering you to be able to do the things that you thought you could never do. Or would God really use me? Of course. Because your story, Terry, is like nobody else's. And really only you can tell your story. And for a while there, even Jen was, you know, not sure how to say, what to say, who to say. Just tell your story. Doesn't isn't difficult at all because it's real. It's who you are. Yeah. Since you're, since you're picking on Jim today, yeah. <laughs> no, he's not picking on you. Um, during your word, Karen, I heard this kingdom proverb. What I mean by that is I hear the Spirit of God speak about something out of whatever is coming. And so I write these down. Hopefully it would be so fun to write them in a book because there are more proverbs being written, you see than is in this word, and God can speak them to you. And it would be great if some of you had some of these little jewels. You know how the Proverbs are. You just read them and you go, whoa, yeah. <laughs> so this is one that came this morning. And I thought of it in application with Jen, uh, and I'll, I'll share about that last week. When we encounter the, this is what, you said, whether it was rehearsed or not, I think it came out of the Spirit. You, said, you, you didn't say all of this, but the Lord put the rest of it together. When we encounter the fear of the Lord and surrender, we encounter destiny for such a time as this. There has to be the, the part of and surrender because Esther had the chance to run away when she heard when the fear of the Lord came on her 
and she's like, okay, I, I could die during this, but I'm going to die anyway someday, so I'm, if I'm going to give my life for this, for my people, right? Well, it wasn't as grandiose as that, but last week during the Word, when God was speaking to us about forgiveness and the two parts of forgiveness, the first one is simple and we all adore it and love it, God's mercy and forgiveness for our sins. We embrace that and we believe that. But the second part of forgiveness we can stumble over and that's when he calls us to take that same forgiveness and forgive others. And as hard as that was, it was like Esther receiving that word or letter from Mordecai. <laughs> God sent Jen a letter <laughs> Sunday. And I saw whatever it was in her heart. God, but what came on her was the fear of the Lord. She had the fear of the Lord and by the end of that service, she said, I'm going to surrender. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to forgive that one, the one that hurts me daily over and over, over and over. How precious is that? She was awakened to destiny because she can take that experience and others will be set free and share that with others. I love that. So thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. For those of you that have been with us this morning, blessings. Trusting that this time of atonement that's coming up, it'll be as the sun goes down for you, wherever you are, and that's going to be on Monday evening. Carries through. So you can surely read Leviticus 23. But what you need to know is there's no longer bulls and lambs that are sacrificed. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. So when we come to this setting of the Father's feasts, it's what we recognize that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. So we're coming knowing that the atoning blood of Jesus has atoned us for our sins. Amen. So we bless all.